You're listening to the Brooke Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith. Faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have season two, episode 41, Your Two Identities. Welcome to season two of the Brooke Snow Podcast. This season is breaking from tradition in an exciting way. After some lovely negotiation, I received permission from my publisher to publish the audio of my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature as podcast episodes. Right now, this is tentative experiment and these episodes may not always be here. So I encourage you to listen while you can. My book is some of my best work. And while I do love my regular podcasts, they really are a random selection of topics. Book, however, moves progressively, continually building upon a theme and leading you through a process. Each week, I'll release the next chapter. If you like what you hear, please consider purchasing the book for yourself or someone you know who would really benefit from the message. In almost every conversation I have with someone who has read my book, they tell me that they've already given their copy away or they've purchased a copy for someone else because they want to share the message and the practical tools found inside. The book is available on Amazon and you can find the link to my book in the show notes of this episode. Today you have chapter one, your two identities. Did you know you have two identities? One is true and one is false. If you ever feel lost, feel like you don't know who you are, feel like your identity is swallowed up in your roles, feel like you must reach a certain standard to love and accept yourself, or if you ever feel less than enough, understanding your two identities will help you see what is really happening. Every one of us confront challenges with our identities. It's part of the human experience in navigating life to learn who we are, why we're here, and how to become who we were created to become. Identity is central to everything that happens in life. You can trace everything back to identity. Wars between nations originate from misunderstanding identity. Families torn apart trace back to identity. And dreams unrealized go back to identity. When you truly understand who you are, you also understand who your neighbor is. There is respect and love for both. There is greater power to choose good over evil, to build rather than destroy, to grow rather than never realize your potential. To gain context for how this might be true, let's start at the beginning. Pure and perfect. When a baby is born, her or his identity is pure and perfect. We even refer to babies using these exact words. What we really see in this innocence is the baby's divine nature, her true self, untainted from the world's standards of acceptance. Her nature is pure and perfect. How is this so? She embodies love. She loves herself, she loves others, and she loves the world. She finds fascination in every tiny thing. She does not criticize herself. She simply exists as she was created to exist with love and joy. Fast progress. Now, if she is met with a nurturing environment with loving parents who will provide for her needs, then an amazing synergy happens. True nature and nurture combine to promote rapid progress and development. 
In these conditions, the baby makes astounding progress. In a short amount of time, she learns to control her physical body, to sit up, crawl, walk, and talk. Because her nature is one of love, she happily tries again. She tries to stand, falls, gets back up, stands again on wobbly legs, takes a step, falls, and does it all over again. And the nurturing environment responds with clapping and cheers. Is it any wonder that her progress is so rapid? Is it any wonder that her development happens so smoothly? The baby's nature is pure and perfect. She loves herself. She loves those around her. She receives encouragement at every fall. And consequently, she naturally desires to keep trying. Progress slows. As we grow up, somewhere along the line, we are shamed. We were taught that we are not lovable. We may be taught this by our family, our community, the media, or the adversary. We pick up false beliefs that our worth comes from things outside of us. And unfortunately, the nurturing environment is not always there with clapping and cheers each time we fall. When I think back on my elementary school experience, several memories surface as the beginning of my own struggle with identity name-calling, or the many dreaded bus rides where I experienced ridicule. To this day, I still remember the exact moment when I saw myself from the outside world perspective. I was in second grade, and our class was walking in a line to the school library. The large halls were filled with floor-to-ceiling mirrors that reflected the light from outside. I marched along with my classmates, observing the mirrored images of each of us as we passed by. My eyes quickly found my own reflection, and I felt a shock of awareness. I was bigger than everyone else. The words, you're fat and ugly, were shouted into my mind, and I felt immediate shame at the comparison to the other children. More than 30 years have transpired since that moment, and there have been hundreds of thousands of similar moments through the years. Moments of seeing my reflection figuratively compared to those around me and feeling shame and embarrassment at what I saw. Is it any surprise that progress and growth slow down? Is it any wonder that we sometimes feel stuck, lost, and not enough? Your two identities. Each of us came to earth as a little baby with divine nature. God created us this way. As we grow older, we are confronted with another identity, the false identity. Psychology refers to this false identity using the word ego. Scripture refers to the false identity using the words natural man or the flesh. There is opposition in all things. Therefore, you have two identities, each in opposition to the other. One is true. One is false. Your divine nature identity, or true identity as I will call it, never went away after birth. She's always there. Only now, the false identity exists in opposition. Your false identity. Your false identity is the ego or natural man self that is created through shame and the influences of this world. Your false identity holds you hostage. Anytime you live your life from a place of fear, comparison, lack, contention, isolation, or not being enough, you are living in your false identity. Your true identity. 
Your true identity is your divine nature you were born with. Your true identity sets you free. Anytime you live your life from a place of joy, love, humility, gratitude, hope, spiritual connection, abundance, and faith, you are living in your true identity. With two identities in opposition to one another, it is natural to be confused about who you really are. I have pondered deeply upon the necessity of a false identity. Why does it exist? Does the false identity serve a purpose? Can it even be useful? Long before we ever came to earth, Heavenly Father created the plan of redemption. His vision preceded the fall and the creation of the natural man identity. He intended all along for this world to be a world of opposition. For it is in the contrast and opportunity to use our agency to choose that true growth occurs. In the premortal existence, we had to choose between the Lord's plan or Satan's plan. In mortality, when we choose to believe Satan, we choose to live in our false identity. When we choose to believe Jesus Christ, we live in our true identity. Realistically, we make this choice many times over. Yet, the two identities bring different results, experiences, and eternal reward. When the Lord proves us, He is allowing us to choose who we want to become. Do we want to fill the measure of the Lord's creation or settle for a shadow version instead? If you don't currently see your true identity, it's because your false identity is standing in the way. There is power in learning to discern between the two. We will get to know each of them in detail, so you may be empowered to choose the path of your true identity and experience the joy and blessings always associated with truth. The Two Wolves There's a Native American legend in which an old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life using a metaphor about two wolves. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. This legend is a powerful illustration of your two identities. The identity that will win, the identity that you will experience your life through, is the one you feed. When I allow negative self-talk to play on repeat in my mind, it feeds the evil wolf. When I spend too much time on social media, my comparison mindset starts to feed the evil wolf. When I eat too much sugar and unhealthy foods, oversleep, gossip, hold a grudge, or shame my body, I feed the evil wolf. When I practice gratitude, I feed the good wolf. When I exercise forgiveness to myself or others, show compassion, serve others, nourish my body, laugh, connect with friends and family, or pray, I feed the good wolf. Who you feed matters. The more you understand the qualities of each identity, the greater your ability to discern between the two. Let us nourish the right one.
journal questions. Do you live most of your life in the true identity or your false identity? Two, which wolf do you feed most? Three, how do you personally feed the false identity? Four, how do you personally feed the true identity? Five, what do scriptures say about the false identity or the natural man? See 1 Corinthians 2, 14, Mosiah 3, 19, Alma 41, 11, Doctrine and Covenants 67, 12, and Moses 5, 13. What do the scriptures say about the true identity or divine nature? See 2 Peter 1, 4, Alma 7, 23 through 24, Matthew 5, 9, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, Moroni 7, 44 through 48. Uncovering truth. We discover who we are by letting go of who we are not. Michelangelo is often quoted as having said that inside every block of stone or marble dwells a beautiful statue. One need only remove the excess material to reveal the work of art within. For a moment, consider the parallel to your own identity. You already have infinite worth. Your true identity is already inside you, formed as a masterpiece by God, your creator. You can't see that masterpiece until you remove all the things in the way. At times, all you might see is a slab of marble or a statue very much in progress until you take away everything that isn't you. Your worth and identity are not something that you find outside of yourself. Instead, they are much like a gift. You carefully unwrap all the layers that keep it hidden and reveal a glorious treasure waiting patiently inside whole and perfect. This truth is such an encouragement. You don't need to be someone different to feel and know your worth. You don't need to change anything about yourself. You need only remove what's getting in the way. What is blocking your true identity? The false identity and its many accessories block you from your true identity. This includes your limiting beliefs, doubts, fears, labels, and attachments. Piece by piece, the false identity creates an image of who you are, drawing from both the good and the bad of your life. Bad pieces include past mistakes, shameful focus on your weaknesses, failures, disappointments, circumstances, or unhealthy relationships. Piece by piece, it constructs an image. Good pieces can be just as illusory, building your worth out of your talents, goals, success, roles, physical appearance, righteousness, relationships, or status. On the surface, these things can be good. The struggle comes when you attach your identity and worth to them. Seasons change, relationships evolve, goals change direction, and trials emerge. If we have built our identity on anything other than rock, these changes collapse our identity. We then lose our sense of self and try to find our bearings again. Standing firm in your true identity allows you to navigate your life with all of its surprise twists and turns. You are steady and can see your way forward. Removing the layers visualization. Imagine all the pieces of your life that you have used to create the image of how you see yourself. Success and failure, strengths and weaknesses, roles and responsibilities. Imagine yourself carrying all of these pieces upon your back 
Maybe some pieces you keep hidden and they weigh you down. Maybe some you wear with pride and you want others to see. One by one, imagine taking each piece off and letting it go. Let go of the labels, the judgments, and the criticisms. Let go of failure. Let go of success. Let go of your strengths. Let go of your weaknesses. Let go of your thoughts and feelings. Let go of all events that have happened to you. Take each piece off and let it go. Who you are is none of these things. They're all on the outside of you. You are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. And you are not the past, the good or the bad. Just as Michelangelo removed all the pieces that were not his statue, this is what you must do to find your true identity. With all these pieces gone, what is left? Your spirit. The same spirit you were born with. You are pure, perfect, and whole. You are full of light and open to all possibility. The true you is open. This place deep inside you may not have been visited in a while. It is a place of complete openness because everything that was closing it off before has now been removed. We block ourselves from the light and truth of who we are by closing up. Michael Singer in his book, The Untethered Soul, shares this example. He says, Let's say that you love somebody and you feel very open in their presence. Because you trust them, your walls come down, allowing you to feel lots of high energy. But if they do something you don't like, the next time you see them, you don't feel so high. You don't feel as much love. Instead, you feel a tightness in your chest. This happens because you closed your heart. The heart is an energy center and it can open or close. When you close your heart center, energy can't flow in. When energy can't flow in, there's darkness. Depending on how closed you are, you either feel tremendous disturbance or overwhelming lethargy. Often people fluctuate between these two states. If you then find out your loved one didn't do anything wrong, or if they apologize to your satisfaction, your heart opens again. With this opening, you get filled with energy and the love starts flowing again. How many times have you experienced these dynamics in your life? You have a wellspring of beautiful energy inside of you. When you are open, you feel it. When you are closed, you don't. This flow of energy comes from the depth of your being. You should know about this energy because it's yours. It's your birthright and it's unlimited. You can call upon it anytime you want. When you close, the energy stops flowing. When you open, all the energy rushes up inside of you. Close quote. This energy within us all is so powerful that you feel it physically. Is it any wonder that the scriptures so often warn us against having a hard heart? A hard heart is a closed heart. You, in effect, close yourself off to your divine potential. You become tired, tight, anxious, or depressed when you're closed. Hard-heartedness is found in refusing to forgive, distancing ourselves from God, forming contention in our relationships, refusing to change our behavior, and choosing to wallow or ruminate in negativity. We are shutting out the light and closing in on darkness. In contrast, the scriptures speak of the necessity of having a broken heart. A broken heart is not sealed shut. It is open, even if only by a crack. 
the light is able to come in. An open heart brings energy, lightness, flow, peace, and joy. It is found in moments of forgiveness, hope, and the willingness to try again. It is in this state of openness that connects you most wholly to who you really are. The true you is open. The more open you become, the more you connect with your true identity. Connecting to your true identity can be easy and fast. The metaphor of Michelangelo's statue is helpful for understanding the blocks that can cover your true identity. However, don't allow this image to lead you to believe connecting to your true identity will take years of hard work, pain and suffering to chisel away all the stone blocking the way. The truth is you have the ability to connect with your true identity instantly and easily. What is going to take practice is staying in this space. Connecting through breath. The fastest way to connect to your true identity is through breathing. Take a moment and try this exercise with me. Sit or stand with a straight back. Relax your body. Close your eyes and take three deep, long inhales and exhales through the nose. Inhale through the nose. And exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose and exhale through the nose. Inhale through the nose and exhale through the nose. How do you feel different right now than you did before breathing deeply? Do you physically feel more open? Do you physically feel more peaceful and more energy flowing through you than you did before. Do you feel calm? Say hello to your true self. Just as a door opens at different degrees, so do you. The more open you become, the more light and energy you have flowing through you. Even if this moment feels like only a sliver of light, know that there is a place inside you that is always at peace and is always happy. This place is your true identity. You can connect to your true identity at any time, simply through your breath and awareness. Tool, deep intentional breathing. The respiratory system is the only system in the body that you can have conscious control over. Find moments to breathe consciously to connect to your true self and increase the openness and flow of light within. Pay attention to moments you feel anxious, overwhelmed, stressed, depressed, and worried. How much are you breathing? These are closed feelings, and your breath will reflect this. If you want to instantly change the way you are feeling, then instantly change the way you are breathing so you can open up. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 1, Your Two Identities, from my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature. Do you listen to this book and love what you hear and wonder where to start? Do you wonder how to actively practice these ideas in your own life? If so, I invite you to take my Christian Meditation 40-Day Challenge course. 
Meditation is my most important practice of the day, and it's my number one way to help me live in my true self. This one habit has changed my life. It's small and simple, but it reaps incredible rewards. But the key is consistency. That's why I love that this is a 40 day challenge. The challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days, but starting a new habit and even more so being consistent can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass, allowing you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner. You both get to do the challenge together. So two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this course is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes or find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. You are worthy. You are whole. And I am cheering you on.